This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Southpaw. Hey, and one more thing. If you love the show and want to support us, go to patreon.com slash southpawpod. The UFC made its promotional debut in Denmark for UFC Fight Night, Hermanson vs. Cannoneer, and what it lacked in star power, it made up for in action. Rising middleweight contenders Jared Cannoneer and Jack Hermanson face off against each other for a possible shot at the middleweight title. With Robert Whittaker and Israel Adesanya fighting in a week, the next challenger can theoretically be anyone that has an impressive last fight. Sure, Paula Costa won a close split decision against Yo Romero, but we all saw what the UFC has done with Colby Covington. There are no guarantees with the promotion. Anyways, going back to the main event, Cannoneer has proven that he is a legitimate threat to anyone in the middleweight division and should definitely be included in the top 5, or at least faced off against another opponent in it by beating Hermanson at 27 seconds in the second round. Also on the card, Khalil Roundtree fought Ion Kudalaba in a match that showed that perhaps his switch to a more Muay Thai-focused fight style might not have been for the best. First things first, let's cover the careers of Cannoneer and Hermanson a little bit more. Jared Cannoneer has made some serious moves in the middleweight division. At Southpaw, we've covered Cannoneer's career at middleweight and have been very impressed at every step of the way. He has been thrown nothing but hard matchups from the get-go, with his first middleweight opponent being David Branch, the former World Series of Fighting middleweight and light heavyweight champion. He then got matched up against Anderson Silva, the most decorated UFC champion in the division. Although Hermanson lacked the name recognition of the former two, he was coming off an impressive win over Jacare Souza and looked like he was going to be knocking on the door of title contention with the win over Cannoneer. Cannoneer has slimmed down and looks like a different person at 185, rattling off an impressive two-fight win streak. At heavyweight, Cannoneer was 1-1, one and, one, and at light heavyweight, he was 2-3. and three. He gained speed while dropping down two weight classes, but surprisingly, he also seemed to have retained his power from his heavyweight days. Even before he moved to the MMA lab in Arizona, Cannoneer had shown signs of good striking acumen. His shifting left hook and strikes to the body were often his best tools. But his lack of takedown defense is what caused him significant trouble in other weight classes. It's also important to note that before Cannoneer made the move to the lab, he was working full-time and training part-time in Alaska. Not exactly a hotbed for MMA fight camps, let alone good wrestlers. His recent changes have been noticeable, and all for the better. Cannoneer still got taken down against David Branch, something that used to be a big problem for him. Against Kudalaba, Cannoneer was wrestled to the ground multiple times until Kudalaba gassed from his efforts. Cardio wasn't a problem, it was a lack of technical instructions. In the Branch fight, you can see Cannoneer listen precisely to his head cornerman, John Crouch, 
and defend perfectly against the back take attempts. He would put two hands on one, keep his hips to the ground, and worked out of position step by step. Even when Branch shot in over and over again, Cannoneer didn't panic and was ready to defend each attempt until Branch also gassed out. Against Anderson Silva, Cannoneer was able to show off a much improved kicking game since he didn't fear the possibility of takedowns. Even though the end of that fight came as a result of an injury to Silva, it was the low kicks that hurt him in the first place. It was still an impressive victory over the former champ and showed that Cannoneer has more tools at his disposal. Hermanson was also on a steady rise to the top, and his submission win over David Branch and decision win over Jacare showed that he is a serious threat. Before his most recent loss to Cannoneer, Hermanson's last loss at middleweight was against Thiago Santos. Despite having good striking IQ, after tasting some of the power that Santos possessed, Hermanson retreated straight onto the cage, abandoning any lateral movements and getting knocked out in the first round. He has since added more feints into his punches and showed a more well-rounded striking arsenal against Jacare Souza. He used blitzes during lulls in action and caused Jacare Souza to overcommit on his counters. What was especially impressive about Hermanson was his kicking game and how often he threw them. Despite the jiu-jitsu accolades of Jacare, Hermanson had no fear of throwing kicks or going for takedowns of his own. This was an impressive feat and was definitely on the back of a lot of people's minds heading into this event. An X-factor going into this fight was if Cannoneer's gas tank could hold out for 5 rounds. Hermanson went the championship rounds against Souza, and he did so at a pretty good work rate. Cannoneer hasn't fought past the second round as a middleweight, and counting on the Hermanson fight, he still hasn't. Enough about their histories. Let's break down this matchup. Hermanson opened up early with a series of late kicks, and the moment Cannoneer has to stop and check the kicks, Hermanson is diving in for a takedown. Given that so many people have attempted to avoid the power of Cannoneer and opt to take their chances on the ground, it comes as no surprise that he has drilled takedown defense extensively. By latching onto an overhook and keeping Hermanson from locking his hands together, Cannoneer moved his hips back and away from the fence. This was also evident in the branch fight, and if you want to take Cannoneer down, you're going to have to either come in with the more explosive style of takedown or have a different setup. A simple blast double won't do. Another thing you can try and do to take down Cannoneer is time his attempted low kicks and grab a hold of him. Hermanson was able to get a takedown into a suplex to take Cannoneer's back when Cannoneer attempted a calf kick. Cannoneer is able to keep his hips off the ground and scramble back up and puts Hermanson against the fence, all within the span of 15 seconds. Cannoneer does his best work when he's backing his opponent straight, and this is an unfortunate habit of Hermanson. This is what caused him problems against Thiago Santos, and it looked like Cannoneer has picked up on this pattern. The calf kicks were used prolifically in this fight. And it's worth noting that the MMA lab is the first major gym to put this technique on the map. When Ben Henderson faced off against Frankie Edgar in both fights, he used calf kicks quite liberally and it was clear that Edgar had no answer. Cannoneer is carrying on that tradition and is probably the best user of it at the UFC at the moment. 
Cannoneer is able to get away with these kicks by also mixing in plenty of jabs and straights with little to no tell. While opponents are thrown off by the pinwheel movement and constant shaking of his shoulders, they are focused on his upper body and don't see the leg kicks coming. Cannoneer also mixed in some well-timed uppercuts and hooks, and it was evident that Hermanson responded by backing straight up or dropping down immediately for a takedown, an obvious pattern that Cannoneer picked up on. Almost on cue in the second round, a fainting jab by Cannoneer caused Hermanson to shoot in, getting blasted by a right uppercut. This was reminiscent of Dan Henderson against Henzo Gracie, when Henzo shot in poorly and got knocked out for his troubles. Hermanson wasn't knocked out, but he was met with some vicious ground and pound and got finished at 27 seconds of the second round. Cannoneer has now finished his last three opponent and deserves a step up in competition. Given that we already know that he has knockout power, it might be interesting to see how he faces off against someone with a wrestling background to see how he would do against someone who favors a grappling-heavy style. In the current UFC's top five in the middleweight division, either Derek Brunson or Joel Romero could provide some interesting challenges, especially Romero since he also has the power that can end fights instantly. Outside of that, Cannonier can also try and see if Paulo Costa is available for a fight and knock him off of title contention. Given that Costa is also undefeated in the division, he probably won't accept a matchup against Cannonier. A real possibility can also be the winner of the Darren Till Kelvin Gastelum fight, and it'll be especially exciting to see him face off against fellow Arizonan since he's like a reversal of Cannonier, someone who has moved up in weight to find success instead of down. For Hermanson, this loss shouldn't affect him too badly, but it does take his name out of title contention. Given that he was ranked number 5 in the middleweight division, maybe Hermanson can try and rebuild by facing off against either Derek Brunson or Ian Heinisch, whoever is available to fight in late 2019 or early 2020. There's no shame in losing to a stud like Cannoneer, but he will have to work on some technical details, like adding in more lateral movements and going back to fainting constantly to draw out the counters. I also want to address Khalil Roundtree's fight against Ion Kudalaba. Kudalaba beat Roundtree by TKO in 2 minutes and 35 seconds of the first round. The fight preview for this card focused solely on Roundtree's newfound dedication to Muay Thai. There were some commentators in the UFC who were convinced that this return to traditional striking arts was a good thing and wondered out loud why fighters don't do this more often. Pundits like this, especially Joe Rogan, made a big deal about his win over Eric Anders and how it was proof that traditional Muay Thai can be successfully incorporated at the highest level of MMA. It's not that there aren't benefits to be gleaned from Muay Thai. There are many champions and former champions in the UFC who claim Muay Thai as their base. The difference is that they are able to see its limitations and know that adaptation must be made in order to maintain success. When MMA fans think of Muay Thai fighters in the UFC, the most famous example that they think of is Anderson Silva. Silva's slick head movements, knees from the Thai clinch, and lightning quick kicks make him an international sensation and one of the most decorated champions in the UFC. What you don't see is traditional Muay Thai footwork and flat-footed movements since this is just asking to be taken down. 
You can see this play out time and time again in Silva's early fights in Shudo and Pride. But he was much more successful in the UFC since the larger space at the octagon gave him the opportunity to move around and counter much more effectively. Roundtree had a lot of success against Anders, but he failed to replicate victory in his fight against Kudalaba. Kudalaba is powerful and has decent takedowns, but he also gasses pretty consistently after the first round. He's kind of like Chris Weidman in that regard. This was evident in Kudalaba's fights against Glover Chexera and Jared Cannonier. So as long as you can survive the first round, your chances of winning goes up significantly. This was absolutely a winnable fight for Roundtree, bearing that he had the right game plan going in. Roundtree's striking has seen significant improvements. This is the same guy that went from swinging wild hooks against Mikhail Olechechum to knocking out Gokan Saki. In this fight against Kudalaba, he started off with his traditional Muay Thai stance from Southpaw, being light on his lead foot and heavy on his back foot. He kept his forearm high and extended, waiting for straight punches that he can parry so he can come in with his own. Roundtree ate a stiff right straight before unloading with a left kick. This was caught immediately by Kudalaba, and he wasted no time in getting the fight to the ground. Despite getting back to his feet over and over again, it's a fact that Roundtree was constantly getting swept down to the ground and ate punches along the way. Once Roundtree got back into striking distance, he no longer kept his lead foot light and stayed more square on to fight off possible takedown attempts. In a departure from his newfound sleek striking, he swung hooks wildly and Kudalaba dove right into his hips, scoring an easy takedown. From there, Kudalaba unloaded elbows and heavy ground and pound, stopping the fight midway in round one. This fight just goes to show you that just because a fighter had success with the style in one fight doesn't mean that it should be used constantly, especially if it's a style that has been studied and dissected time and time again. Roundtree shouldn't abandon everything he learned at Tiger Muay Thai, but he should incorporate them as part of his overall striking strategy not make it the sole focus. He can rebound with some more fun fights at light heavyweight, perhaps against a wrestler to see if he can improve his takedown defense. We still don't know if Kudalaba has fixed his gas tank issue, but perhaps the fight against someone in the top 15 should answer questions regarding his cardio. The next UFC card takes place in Melbourne, Australia, and it'll be a delight to see current champ Robert Whittaker face off against interim champ Israel Adesanya. A fight preview will cover the style of both fighters and will be out in a few days. Until next time, goodbye.